Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. Hey, so I am here in Portland, Oregon in, I like to call everywhere we go our studio. We're in the Portland, Oregon studio, and I am sitting here with Sarah Centrella. Sarah, thank you so much for coming out here. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for making time and you're in my hometown. I just feel so lucky that we got to get this to work. I know. Talk about badass chicks, like just making shit happen on the fly. That's that's how we do. Yeah, it is. It is. So Sarah is an author. She leads workshops. She's a speaker. She actually came here and she brought these books for me and I was so excited. Um, So I'm excited to dive in to talk about these books. She has one coming out in two weeks, which we're going to talk about a book called Hustle, Believe, Receive, and it just looks amazing. Also, I love this cover art. I know. I just wanted something very simple. I wanted wanted those words to just jump out at you so that, you know... I really All the love hustlers it. out there are like, yeah. hey, you're speaking my language. How do I get what I want from hustling? You know, I really love it. It kind of looks to me like the marquee lights. And every mm-hmm. time I go to my designers to do stuff for my brand, I'm like, can we have it like marquee yes. lights? Yes. <laughs> so I really, really love it. So um, Sarah, let's just like go into your story. Who are you? Like, where did you start? How did you get into being an author and all of the stuff? Like, let's get your background yeah, story. Absolutely. So my story really started uh, going on 11 years. The summer is 11 years. And it started with the absolute rock bottom moment. And I call it an earthquake moment because it's one of those moments where the ground underneath you (laughs) shifts and your entire world just caves in and falls apart. And for me, uh, at the time, I was married to my high school sweetheart. Mm -hmm. We had been together uh, for 16 years. We'd been married for eight. We had like one-year-old twins. We had a five-year-old. And life wasn't really easy at that time because it was financial crisis we had just lost our house and filed bankruptcy so there was a lot of other stuff kind of going on where you could really easily be like my life sucks you know and I think I was a little bit there and then he comes home one day I make dinner he gets in the shower and I read a text message from uh, the woman he had been apparently like having an affair with an ongoing affair with and it just made everything else seem so small and the whole it was like dropping a bomb on my life because I think I was one of those women who it had never crossed my mind truly, which sounds insane. I know because now we're so used to social media and everyone oversharing and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but back then there was no Facebook, there was no texting, there was no any of that. And so everybody believed our relationship to be what we put yeah. out there and you, you know did what I'm too. saying yeah and I did too and yeah. I I had um just never an inkling I never was jealous I never mistrusted him in any way always that was the one thing I always felt very secure in yeah. in my life was yeah. um our marriage and our relationship and so I mean it ended my whole world in five minutes he yeah. was literally in the shower when I read the text message I went in turned the water off he was soaped up I was like, get the fuck out of my house and don't wow. ever come back. Wow. <laughs> he put his clothes on soaking wet, threw his wedding ring at me, kissed our kids goodbye. And that was it. Holy. And it was like literally 10 minutes later, I'd been like washing up after dinner and 10 yeah. minutes later, like 
my world is over. Dang. I can relate to that moment so well. And, um, you know, we've talked about this in the podcast and shared our stories and like, it was very blindsiding for me too. And it's interesting. I think maybe people would ask you like, didn't you see signs? And it almost feels like an accusation. Like, no, you know, there were no signs and I thought everything was good. And I think it is one of those, like, it's that moment that everything changes and it's, you're just like in shock. So you threw him out of the house immediately. I did. Yeah. And did you make a decision? You're just like, did you, after like a cool off period or coming down, did you go, let's try to reconcile? I really didn't. And I think for me, it was like such an instant gut reaction. Like I, there was never any other thought that went through my mind at the time. I was just like, Oh my God. Like I've known you since we were 16 years old. I thought we had this life. Apparently you have a whole second life happening. And it was interesting because the text message I quote um, in Hustle Believe Receive when I talk about my story was like honestly a gift from the universe because Mm -hmm. it was the most perfect thing that could have ever been sent. It could have just been any type of an exchange, right? And then the outcomes I feel like could have been very different. But the text message said, I can't wait till you're all mine, finally free and no more sharing with a smiley face. Wow. So I was like, wow, that's beginning, middle and end. Mm-hmm. That's, I just saw you. Mm-hmm. I'm super annoyed that you had to go home to your wife. Yeah. I'm getting real tired of this. When yeah. is it going to be over? And I was just like, you, you, there's no talking your way out of sure. that at that point, you know? Yeah. And so in so many ways, I, I am very glad that that was um, just a complete gut reaction. And we really, I mean, it was, our lives changed instantaneously. We've never were able to even talk about it. Like I filed divorce like three days later, I think. And he moved right in with her. And so it just, it was just a dramatic shift in kind of everything overnight. Yeah. Yeah. So from there, obviously that was shocking for you. And um, were you working at the time? No. And that I think was the most difficult part of all of it. It's like on the personal level, I had a bunch of stuff I had to deal with. Yeah. But way more important to me at that time was what was actually going on in my physical world. Because like I said, we'd literally just come out of bankruptcy. So it wasn't a time where I could be like, oh, I can go rent a new house or whatever. And I hadn't worked in a year and a half. So I had no income coming in. Um, He was the sole provider. And it was also one of those things that I didn't even realize that over time, everything had been shifted into his name. And it wasn't even his, it wasn't his doing. It wasn't like he was maliciously doing it you know, you're just married and you're sure. like, oh, you have better credit. Let's just put that sure. in your name. Let's do this and that and the other. So kind of when it was all over, I was like, oh my God, mm-hmm. like not only do I have a, not have a penny to my name, I don't have access to anything. The rent is late. The water's about to be turned off and my credit is ruined. So now what? And, and I think like I talk a lot about the pivotal moment that happened that night where I was just as the fixer in me was just mm-hmm. trying to be like, okay, what do I do new- do now? I knew mm-hmm. we had to move and sell everything that we own, stuff like that. So I was like, you know, tangibly, how do I fix this? Like, how do I survive yeah. just day-to-day stuff? And I kept on just thinking like, I can't, I can't, I can't. Like, I didn't know any single moms, didn't even know of a single mom, sure. which sounds insane, I know. But again, remember back then, we only knew 50 people. Sure, sure, <laughs> you know? yeah. So it's like, that's the thing that has changed, I think, so much is that now we have other examples, even mm-hmm. if they're people that we don't know who are doing whatever it is or getting through whatever hardships that we're going through. And yep. I think that's a blessing in a lot of ways because yeah. it just it did not have those examples. No, I mean, I just want to actually stop and sink that point in that 
that what you're doing right now, even sharing this is you're like a beacon of light to somebody who's going through this in this very moment or who's going to be in the next six months. Because for me, and we kind of talked about this right before we hit record was knowing that Jill had gone through it just a few months before me, it helped so much. And to know that like, you can look at someone like you going, okay, she's however many years out, she's got two books. She's super successful. She's doing the thing. Like if she can do it and then in the middle of financial crisis with little baby twins and a toddler, like then maybe there's hope for me too. And I think that's so beautiful that you're sharing it and talking about it because you didn't have that. You just, you figured it out. And I think ultimately we'd still all do have to figure it out. Mm -hmm. But if you can just have like some little shred of a string to hold onto that someone else did and you can too, it can make the world of difference. Yeah. You're you're so right. And I think that was really kind of why I started sharing any of my story way back when I started on a blog. Mm -hmm. Um, Didn't think anyone was going to read it. I actually had it anonymous for the first year Mm -hmm. because back then no one was talking about this stuff. My family and people who were in my life back when I was married was just like, oh my God, a train wreck just exploded. I'm going to turn my head and look the other way, you know? And so I didn't even feel comfortable really like talking because it was just not done. You know what I mean? Um, But I think for me, I needed it. It was like my own therapy because I didn't know anyone else who was going through it. So that's kind of how I was processing it. And then the beautiful thing was ever since, you know, literally weekly, I get messages from women who are like, I went through that exact same thing. And, you know, thank you for letting me know that I'm not alone. And I think, of course, there's millions and millions and millions of women who have gone through the same thing or will or whatever. So I think if if people can get a little bit of strength from a different outcome, because I think a lot of women are so tempted to just put a bandaid on it, Mm -hmm. you know, and make it work. And that works for some people. It's great. But I don't think there is a lot of voices that's like, we can be okay. Like we can build another life. And yes, it might be different than what we had before. But I think that was also an initial reaction that I had was like, oh my God, like I have to totally rebuild my life. It just got wiped out. Mm -hmm. So well, now what do I want? What? Yeah. <laughs> like, what does that look like? Yeah. If it could be anything. What? And that started everything for me. And I want to ask you if you felt this way too. I remember just in that moment, maybe about six, eight months of f- grieving the life that you thought you were mm-hmm. going to have. You know, you're kind of like, okay, I'm not going to have like our 10 year anniversary and we're not going to do all those things. So you're like, you, you're losing that. And then also going, well, what do I want? Because yeah. there was so much of like what we wanted And I remember thinking there's so much freedom and that's exciting, but it also felt overwhelming because I'm going, I can do anything now, but what is that? It was like, were you overwhelmed or were you like, yeah, fuck, I'm going to do this now. I think, um, I think there was part of me clearly, I mean, the, the marriage didn't last. There was definitely part of both of us that had drifted apart. Right. And, and that was at a point where we're like, "Mm, is there more to life than this? Um, and I, I definitely recognize that. And I think I had been kind of going through that, um, you know, hitting my Mm thirties and having the three kids in the house and all that stuff and just going like, wait a second, like, is this it? (laughs) Are we just like on autopilot from here to 70? Like there's gotta be more. And as a girl, I really dreamed of basically the life I'm living now, which is very interesting. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think the universe, a lot of times will see your wishes and your heart's desire and everything you have the potential to be and truly want to be. And then it will look at your life and be like, hey, bitch, I can't really deliver that. What you've you've cooked up. So I'm just going to explode that and give you a fresh start. And and without question, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I think it was the first time since before I met him when I was like 15 Mm -hmm. that all of a sudden I had a blank slate to create for myself because you're so right. I mean, 
when I was 16 and met him, every decision involved him. Yeah. Every place we'd live, every yeah. house, you know. So in so many ways, it was so liberating mm-hmm. and so empowering. Um, I remember when I first moved to, when we finally got an apartment and I moved into it, I I was so broke. I had sold everything that we owned, you know, didn't have any money. But I took like 40 bucks and I literally like went to TJ Maxx and I was like, I need new sheets. <laughs> I just am not like, I can't afford the whole new bed, you know, yep, to yep. like dump the bed from the marriage, but I'm not sleeping in like those same sheets, you know? <laughs> and I went in and I was like looking around, I was going to get the neutral ones that I always had gotten. And I was like, fuck that. I can buy pink sheets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you know, so that was kind of the, the epitome of everything. When life starts to open up for you in a new yeah. way, you're like, wow, I don't have to make the same decisions I've always yeah. made. And that's true for anyone going through any type of transitional change or wanting change. Yeah. It's actually so funny you've said that. And I kind of forgot, but when I moved into my apartment, I got to decorate it and I was like, I don't have to do neutral colors right? because it's not a boy. Like I could have more girly stuff because I'm it's in my amazing. own place. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's so funny. The things that you go, oh, this is, this is different. I can make my own decisions. Yeah. 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 So how did you start? I want to know both ways. Like how did you start to financially get your way, kind of get your way out? And how emotionally were you going to counseling? Were you working with friends? Were you like going to workshops? How did you start to like claw your way out and to get to where you are now? Yeah. So I wish I had had kind of any of that um, emotional type support when I was going through it, but it was the opposite really for mm-hmm. me. Um, I had had a fairly small circle before all of this happened, but all of our friends were like couple friends really. Mm-hmm. And my family had known us together since <laughs> before time, you know, so nobody knew how to even talk to me or sure. how to reach out. And it was almost one of those things where it's, it is like a train wreck. It's like, it's so big and so bad. You're just better off to like rubberneck it and drive slow, you yeah, know? And, yeah. and I think that's kind of what happened. And so it, I wound up being like isolated instantly. Yeah. And so thank God in a way, um, I really turned all of that energy into figuring out how to be the best mom I could be because I knew that had really shifted and that was super important to me. And I didn't want my kids quality of life and their interaction with me to change Mm -hmm. like that was my number one priority it was like how do I still be the mom that I always had intended to be um do you feel like your kids kind of like pushed you or saved you from going down like a depression or a thousand percent yeah a thousand percent I have I have no doubt that I would have like fallen off the planet Mm -hmm. (laughs) or just got a one-way ticket to somewhere you know um but knowing that no one else was going to provide for them and that it was no one else's responsibility. That, that was a big thing. I think a lot of people jump right into victim mode or, you know, and especially single moms, I'm going to call us out because um, a lot of times they think, wow, now this is the whole world's problem. And it's not, it was my problem. And I knew that. And so for me, the blogging was kind of the, the way I was starting to process stuff because I didn't really have anyone to talk to about it. And I was trying to build a corporate career. So this type of stuff was not stuff you talked about at the water cooler, right? You kept all that very, very private. And so I did it anonymously um, to just kind of let it out. And that is what saved me. What was the blog called? It was called Thoughts, Stories, Life. Yeah, it's still up, but Uh I'm not active on it. But yeah, you can go back there and read the very beginning of my story and the whole whole way through. So yeah, I think the emotional part was right off the bat realizing that I had a very limited amount of energy mm-hmm. <laughs> after going through something like that and being very protective of that energy and just saying, if this relationship is draining it, I don't have any to drain, none. So shutting that down and putting it on my kids and then putting it on building a career and then trying to rebuild my self-esteem, which was 
hard in itself. <laughs> yeah. Interesting when something like that happens, how priorities and time become so clear. You know, we like as women, I think, and even as people who are maybe people pleasers or just trying to do everything, we want to do it all. And then something like that happens, an illness, you know, a death, uh, something in a big change in a relationship like that, suddenly you're like, okay, none of that shit matters. Like I matter, my family matters and like my survival matters. And those are the only three things. A hundred percent. And I was very, very kind of cognizant of, of that. Thank God. And really realized like I'm in survival mode. Yeah. And if anybody is not bringing positive energy to me trying to survive right now, then I have no space for them in my life. So I would say like the first five or six years, it was literally me and my kids yeah. and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I had to do that in order to build my own strength and to find my feet and to find out who I wanted to be and all of that. And then, you know, slowly some people have, have come back into my life. Um, but in a way that now I know kind of what boundaries are and, and what my energy needs to be. Mm-hmm. And to, to answer your other question on the financial side, it was really, really hard. I mean, I started, um, when I finally got a job, it was about three months after, and it was an inside um, corporate sales job, which is like the lowest mm-hmm. <laughs> totem pole. I was literally working in a closet, calling, cold calling all day long. Um, but obviously so grateful to get a job because no one was hiring then. It was like the worst time yep. in our known you know, economy. And I think it gave me a lot of power, though, because even though I wasn't barely making anything, I was like, the decisions that I do with this is mine. Yeah. I'm p- putting a roof over my kid's head, yeah. you know, head. And, and that felt great. Yeah. You had power. You were doing the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So you're working, you're blogging. When did the shift start happening where you like the blogging was taking over and how did yeah. that happen? So I did the blog, um, Gosh, for about seven years, I would say, and more and more people started coming who had been following me and coming to me all the time with all these questions. Like they had seen me put my dreams out into the world. They'd seen me put a picture of my future board out there. They had watched me from day one. So they knew I wasn't making any of it up. You know, they were like watching my life change and they were, you know, writing in all the time going, how did you do this? How did you do this? Why is your future board working? And my vision board that I did you know, five years ago has never manifested anything like, what are you doing differently? And so the first book actually was born out of almost necessity because I was getting so tired of answering the same questions over and over again. Um, And so I came up with the eight steps that are in Hustle, Believe, Receive, where I just wanted to kind of succinct everything that I did into a recipe. And I'm a very simple person in a Uh lot of ways where I'm just like, if it, takes me longer than a half hour to read. I'm probably going to check out. If I can't apply it in five seconds, it doesn't work for me. And so it's almost like self-help for dummies. I love it. (laughs) Like it's foolproof. Yeah. It's, it's that basic and that simple. And it's a lot of the ideas that I think have clearly been around forever. I'm not a guru inventing a new wheel here, but what I am doing is I'm taking a lot of that stuff that is way too, in my opinion, esoteric and hard to translate into real life all that stuff. And just saying, like, this is how an NFL player did it. Sure. <laughs> this is how yeah. a, a mom 
you know, started her business in her garage. I, I love that because so many times, like people, we were talking a little bit earlier about the secret or people reading about manifestation and they're like, well, how does, how do I do that? Or like, I, I made a vision board and mm-hmm. why did I put a picture of a car and it never came to me? Right. So you made it into like, okay, this is how you do it. And here's the steps I took. And so I got this book and yeah. now you've actually, the second book, I really excited to talk about the board, the future boards yes. because... Well, tell us a little bit about future boards and then I have some thoughts on it and I really want to ask yeah. you questions about it. Absolutely. So in Hustle, Believe, Receive, it has the eight steps to changing your life and living your dream and see it, which is like the visual kind mm-hmm. of element, um, is is future board. So it was uh, step five out of the eight. Okay. And that was the one that everyone just kept on coming back to because mm. again, this the things that I've manifested and I always do side by side. So I'll post my board at the beginning of the year. Yep. So everyone is like, yep. We saw that. Yeah. And then six months later, they're like, wait, you're standing on that bridge that we saw on your board like two years ago. Right. Like, how, do, how does that happen? So, and I have like 200 of those side by side. So it's just kind of got to the point where it was like too ridiculous to ignore. Yeah. It, you know, it just kept on happening so much. And then I really realized how different all of this is than than what people assume it is and all of that. And I really need realized that I needed to teach people everything about how to make a board that will custom create their future life from scratch. Mm-hmm. And so Future Boards kind of takes that one chapter in Hustle, Believe, Receive uh-huh. and gives you everything you need. You know, it expands on it. So they're almost like little pals, yeah. the two books. <laughs> I'm super excited to dig into this book because I, I interviewed one of my girlfriends at the beginning of the year. It was, you know, January. We're talking about goals and all of that stuff. And I was kind of like, you know, vision boards aren't my thing. I feel like they never work for me. And I putting work for me in quotes because I feel she goes, well, you have to. And I showed her actually, I think I, I've heard on Manifestation Babe. Mm-hmm. She talked about putting one on like the background screen of your phone because I was like, you know, I don't have magazines. I don't have time to cut shit out. Yeah. And I travel all the time. I was joking around with my friend recently. I go, should I just like roll up a poster board and like travel <laughs> right? with my vision board? <laughs> Take right? it with you everywhere. So I'm like, I don't even live anywhere for the last 18 months. So where am I going to have a vision board hanging up? So I put some stuff on my the background saver of my mm-hmm. phone. And so I, I said, you know, I've had all this for the last year and I'm like, you know, I showed my girlfriend, I said, look at it. None of it's come true. And so she's taking a look and she goes, well, here's the thing you have to look at. Like some of these things, she pulled out this picture of um, a truck, this Mm -hmm. truck that I wanted. Right. And she goes, you don't have that truck, but you were in Nashville and I had this mastermind event and we all went on this like big truck. She's like, it may have come true in a different Different way. way. And so she was saying how sometimes maybe we're looking for the very specific thing, but it looks a little different. She, she said she actually would get a little crazy about like, she'd write a number, like she wants $4,227 and 32 cents. And yet she just got it like, and 26 cents. So it's like, it wasn't, it wasn't right. And so I want to kind of dig into that on how maybe people think it's not, coming true. Like people like me who are like, well, I tried it. It didn't work for right, me. Right. Right. No, I think that is probably one of the most common um, responses for sure. But I, th- I, so I think there's a percentage of people who are like you who mm-hmm. are manifesting and just maybe didn't realize it, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which is amazing. That means that you have good energy. You're, you're doing probably a lot of the steps without even knowing it, uh-huh. which is what is already starting to deliver stuff for you. And then there's kind of the other camp who really kind of bought into this idea of all I have to do is put Lambos on a board and one day I'm going to wake up, there's a Lambo in my driveway and they're going to sit on their couch and never do anything. Right. And none of that's ever going to happen. Sorry to say, it's (laughs) just, that's not how it works. Um, so to your point, I absolutely believe, and I teach in both the books actually that manifesting happens in stages. Uh So I fully believe if you have 
a dream, let's say to be a writer, mm-hmm. you know, since we've been talking about that, um, you better go out and start writing something. You know, I started on a blog. I did a blog for seven years yeah. before I got a book deal yeah. and all of that. So if my end kind of goal or end dream, that that big impossible one is to be a New York Times bestseller mm-hmm. and I've never written a page of anything in my life, like, come on. Sure. You know what I mean? So there is definitely a big gap between it's not about Ask, Believe, Receive, which is sure. the title of my book. I was just like, I was kind of pissed off. I was like, mm-hmm. who really believes that? That yeah. that's all I have to do yeah. in life is go around and, and ask and I'll get it, you know? Yep. So I was like, no, there's there's hustle there's in there. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. there's a component of getting up every day and doing it anyway, yeah. you know, doing it whether you're seeing the results or not. And I totally, totally believe that we have to be grateful and aware in our life and present in our life so that we catch those little things that manifest that didn't come in the box we were expecting yeah, yeah. because those will happen all the time. Yeah. And a lot of times I'll go back over a board and I'll be like, Oh my God, like that was that it just showed up a little bit different. So that's super common. So that means you're already on the path yeah. girl. Well, I will okay. say this. I had a really big, uh, like, download or epiphany recently about, I used to say my ex-husband was a master manifester. I was like, as soon as you say something, it happens. We were in an, we lived in an RV for a year and we were driving and the fridge flew open and apple juice spilled all over while we're driving. And I was like scrambling to clean it up. And he was like, oh my gosh, we're going to get ants. And I was like, why would we get ants? We're on a moving vehicle. Like (laughs) ants don't just get into like a car. Well, what do you fucking know? The next day there were ants Covering everywhere. Ants. And I was like, you brought <laughs> you made these, it you manifested ants. There would have been no ants. So I used to say that he was that. But then I've had a couple of recent things happen to me where I said, like, I was the thing that I was most afraid of or the thing that bothered me would just pop up. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm the one. Mm-hmm. Like, I manifest this stuff. It's so funny how it's like it's literally small things, but the things that I fear seem yeah. to come true. So, like, there's a YouTube video. I have got tons of YouTube videos out old one from like 2013. And for whatever reason, I was having this weird um, insecurity about my forehead one morning, Mm -hmm. like, oh, my forehead's too big. I go log onto my email and I get this notification from YouTube and somebody had made a comment, your forehead's so big, you could put a drive-through movie on it. And I was like, really? (laughs) And it's so funny because I'm like, you know what? That's what I get because I, the insecurity and the fear I had was that. And then I'm like, okay, well that wasn't so bad. Like that's the worst. Okay. Yep. But it's funny how oftentimes we'll have an insecurity or a fear and we get exactly what we fear. And and so I have been way more aware about trying to focus on the things I want than the things I fear. And 100%. I think maybe that's a big oh, part it of it. Oh, it totally is. So in Hustle Believe Receive, one of the steps, uh, the third step, I think, is say it. So it's all mm. about the words that we mm. say, being a predictor of what's coming next. Mm-hmm. And um, I put the quote by Jay-Z in there, which is, I believe I can speak my future into existence yes, or something along yes. those lines. Um, and 1,000%. So whatever is coming out of your mouth doesn't matter what it is, especially stuff that comes out in repetition, kind of that's yeah. how our brains work, right? Yeah. So there's usually certain topics that we're bringing up a lot with our friends or by yeah. ourselves or whatever. Those are the ones that are fastest going to come in next week, next month, next year. So if you're verbalizing fear, you're just asking the universe to deliver it. Like yeah. it's literally like writing a little order and being like, next week, can you like give me the thing I fear the most? Yeah. Or yeah. Um, I'm so scared because I have no money. Awesome. I'm going to make sure I give you five bills you weren't expecting next right. month. Right. You know? Yeah. So it's like every single thing we say is is like the output of thoughts that have been going on for a long time. So this is like a deep rooted process. So it only makes logical sense that eventually it's going to show up in real life. Right. So 
one of the very first things that I learned when I started kind of shifting things when I got back on my feet was like, I had really seen how, how much negativity I had spewed into my life mm-hmm. before. And I could totally draw a line between everything I feared and it actually happening yep. and everything I stressed about and it continuing to show up constantly in my life. So that was one of the first things I noticed. I was like, oh my God, if I bitch about money, I have less and less and less. Mm-hmm. Like I can't afford to have less. And less. This is yeah. like terrifying. Yeah. Hell no. Yeah. So my very first step was to just stop bitching, like stop talking mm-hmm. about anything I didn't want. Mm-hmm. And now my kids have grown up with this rule in our house. We don't say anything unless we actually want it to come true. So I don't, you know, talk crap about myself. I don't, you know, whatever. And and we're all so good about like catching it in each other. We're like, oh, you really want to live that? Cool. Mm. Like, mm, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so make that be, you know, your standard by which you live. And then once you kind of remove all of that from your vocabulary, you have all this extra space to p- start talking about things that you actually want to have happen. Yeah. And then what's going to happen? The same, same thing. You're going to bring it in. You're going to call it into existence. So powerful. I think just even that step alone could help so many totally. people. Just at least stop the the spiral of things from happening. I remember actually even during um, when all the stuff was happening with my ex and then it just felt like, I go, it just feels like there's this dump truck of shit just coming down on me. And I was like, there's just one more thing. And then there'd always be just one more thing. And I was like, anything else? Just give it all to me now. And I was like, oh, I'm getting it. It's raining shit on me right now. It's crazy. And then you know how it shifts the other way, right? When you're on fire, it's like, oh my God, I'm on fire. Like everything I touch, every door opens, every everything. And you know, like... Those are those um, moments of kind of momentum shift, but they are all created by what we were thinking and by what we were talking about six months ago, three months ago, four months ago. So people will come to me and they'll be like, I'm in a dire situation. How do I change my life? Mm -hmm. Very, very first thing you do, honest to God, to like stem the bleeding Mm -hmm. almost Mm of uh, if you're in a bad situation is you've got to stop verbalizing it. And, And I think what I love so much about that step too is that I, at that point, I didn't know how to change my thoughts that seemed way too intense and, you know, new agey for me. But I knew I had control over my mouth. Sure. Like, that was a basic thing where yeah. I was like, okay, I can control this. If I shut this off, let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's crazy. You'll feel better in a couple days. Yeah. How do you kind of tie that in with stopping talking about it, but also maybe needing to process it. Like, let's say you go to counseling there. I feel like there was a lot of stuff I needed Mm -hmm. to talk about to get it out. So how do you like kind of put those two things together and say like, you need to process, but maybe process in a different way? Like, how would you tell somebody to do that? Yeah, I think you definitely need to process probably everything that we're going through hard or Mm -hmm. or good or whatever um, in a way that's very healthy and very confined. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, it was writing, whether it was in a journal or on a blog or whatever, that's kind of how I processed and let it go. Mm-hmm. Like got it off my chest and let it go. Mm-hmm. Counseling is amazing. If you could do that when I was going through all this, I just couldn't afford it and didn't have the time. Yeah. I would have loved to have, but, but I found a way. So mm-hmm. however works for anybody, whether it's meditation or yoga or yeah. however you're doing it, absolutely process it, but keep it in a box. Mm-hmm. See, that's our problem. We don't yeah. do that. Yeah. Especially as women, like yeah. we'll call all of our girlfriends. We'll talk about it for two and a half hours sure. and then we'll call the next one and talk about it for two and a half hours. Yeah. So you just have to realize like by me sitting over brunch, bitching about this situation, is that really like yeah. what I want to have happen next week, next month, next year? Yeah. So every now and then you do have to have that 
that you know time and and get it off your chest which I think is totally fine but really just be very aware and and realize every time you speak it you're reinforcing it yeah so I like that because we've talked a lot about like be careful who you're talking to and who you're processing with where let's just give the fair example you may need to just talk to someone and get it off your chest and like kind of vent and how talk about how you're feeling but then you may go to another girlfriend they'll be like he's such an asshole like he's a and then you're just like that's going down a different path that's not helpful yep you know like just calling him an asshole and just like making it all about like you're the victim now that's not really being beneficial to you yeah so I think that's kind of where that awareness comes in is like okay I had this moment that felt really good it felt cathartic yeah Yeah. I felt like I got it off my chest now I need to close the lid on that box and start then focusing on what I want. Yeah. And you said something that is so key um, about focusing on what you want versus kind of your fear. And I talk a lot about if we could just shift all the energy that we put on what we don't like about our current life. Mm-hmm. So basically anything related to our current life yep. that isn't like happiness driven. Yeah. And definitely anything related to our past and put all that energy on what we want in our future that's how we guide our future. That's how we create our future. So it's like, why would I be wasting energy on pointing out the things that I don't like or why I'm unhappy now when I actually do have a controlling hand in what's coming down the pipe? Like what I find also interesting back to your earlier story is that you said the life that you envisioned as a little girl is the life you had now, but in order to get there, you kind of had to like blow up the life that you had that you thought you really loved. And I think that's a tough one to reconcile. Like maybe we have on our vision board, we want all this stuff and then it feels like everything's falling apart and it might be falling apart so you can get that vision. But in the moment it feels like, look, this isn't working. My life is crumbling. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, there's a, tough part in like trying to trust that maybe things are happening for you and not to you. Totally. And how do you kind of tell people, like, how do you get people to trust that maybe it's, they are getting closer to where they are, even though it feels like you're getting 10 steps back. Absolutely. And that was something that I realized really early on, kind of as soon as I started to see what a blessing that whole situation was, and I could start to put it together in a pattern way. Mm -hmm. And that processes happened multiple times in the last 10 years so there's been multiple times where I've like gotten success gotten everything I wanted on my board and then it just feels like the bottom drops out again and our first instinct is we want to go to victim we want to go to why me like we thought everything was gravy from here on out and then I'll look back and boom same thing it led me to the next level like you have to almost get to this really uncomfortable place get to a vulnerable place again get to a place where you are really getting solid on what you want Mm because a lot of times when things are going well you're kind of coasting along you know and you're kind of like yeah this is what I want or whatever but then when things get really shooken up for you that's that's a time when you get clear on everything and that's also the time when you're like nope I'm still doing this regardless or I'm still moving forward regardless like no matter how hard it gets I'm not going to quit and then boom like everything you wanted is on the other side of that so I am a firm believer on getting comfortable with that. It doesn't feel good. It kind of sucks. I mean, maybe someday I'll reach a higher level where I never have to go through that, but I really don't think so. I think it's part of life, right? Yeah. So I think the the piece of it that we do control is looking over the patterns in our life and seeing where we were okay in all the situations we thought we wouldn't be in the moment, right? Yeah. So that's number one. Like we didn't die. It yep. didn't kill us. <laughs> Did so we're going to be okay this yep. time too, right? Yep. Um, and then realizing what am I, what can I learn right now? that is going to catapult the next level for me because whatever it is, like the universe is giving you a really solid lesson 
and let's get that lesson down so we don't have to go through this again. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't have to learn this lesson over again because it's it's normal. And the more you kind of uh, trust that pattern out in your life, the more you can really just hold on for the ride when you're going through it a little bit. I think that's great. It's kind of like expectation management. You have to expect that there's still going to be downs. I think sometimes we go, well, once I nail this, then everything's always going to be good. I'm always going to be manifesting amazing things. So something must be wrong with me if I can't. And it's like, no, that's part of it. And to your point, you're like, when things are easy, you're coasting and you're not, maybe you're... And you're not actively creating a lot yeah. of times. So what's going to happen if we stop act, act, actively creating? We're going to hit a lull. I mean, yeah. that's the self-created lull. So yeah. that's the other piece of it is like, even when things are good, you don't stop prospecting if you're in sales. Yeah. You don't stop recording sure. once your you know podcast is number one. Because yeah. six months later, what's going to happen if you have no no new episodes, yeah, right? Out. So I think it, it is almost a cycle that in a way we kind of need, but if we can see it coming, there's a lot we can do to prevent them. Mm -hmm. A lot we can do to learn from each one so that we get faster and better at getting through them. Yeah. So something that used to knock us on our feet for six months now takes maybe two weeks. Yeah. It's like, great. Okay. I can move through it. I like that. I think too many people think that it's just going to be easy all the way through or they can get it. And it's like, nope, shit still happens. But to your point, you get through it faster and you learn the lessons faster. And maybe you can course correct quicker and move through it like more smoothly. I think it's hard on our ego. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That is probably, that is probably the hardest part. And, and I will speak from experience. Um, you know, when I was in 2011, I was building my corporate career. I'd gone from inside sales to a vice president of sales. I'd been working my butt off. By that time, I'd been manifesting publicly a lot. Um, I had just come back from a stay at the Four Seasons in Florida and got back home, got laid off from my job, and a week and a half later, our house flooded. And literally two weeks from staying at the Four Seasons, I was staying at a Red Cross hotel. Right, right. Like the Red Cross. Like... It doesn't go any yeah. like lower than You're that, like right? Basically, a shelter. I was homeless yeah. for like a month while they fixed our house. Like I was sending my kids to school in like a roadside motel. Mm-hmm. So like the the hit that our ego takes that we want to just like crawl in a hole and die whenever anything tough is going on yeah. is really there. But I even through that, I had to be like, wow, this is a lesson in gratitude. Yeah. I'm grateful my family's here. I'm grateful we're okay. And the crazy part about that is, is that about six months before that. I had put on my future board that I really wanted to start speaking. That was mm-hmm. kind of the, I just started putting that dream out there where eventually I wanted to really be a speaker, a motivational speaker, whatever. Yeah. And the crazy thing about it is six months after the Red Cross incident, I'm starting to get back on my feet. Corporate Red Cross calls me up and they were like, hey, you know, we saw your story. We saw you sharing it and it's really amazing and it's really powerful. Are you, in, would you be interested in being our national spokesman? So we filmed a commercial for the Red Cross that ran on like 45 cable channels that played in Times Square. Still runs to this day. It's been five years. Oh, my gosh. And put us in the New York Times, which was also on my future board. (laughs) The very first speaking event. Chills right now. The very first speaking event I ever did in front of a room where I was a keynote speaker was to the National Red Cross Foundation and... Yeah, I was their keynote speaker. So I was like, if that is not yeah. <laughs> proof that everything we go through is leading us to the next level, I don't know what is. So many chills. I think part of it is like, because you had that six month gap of you're thinking, well, how am I going to be a speaker? How's this going to happen? We don't know where these opportunities are going to come from. And I think maybe people who are planners or need to know the steps, you don't always know the steps and you kind of just mm-hmm. have to trust. And then you're like, oh, 
that was easier than I thought. I didn't even have to try. Right. Yeah. Right. But it's so crazy. It's like a delayed reaction from all the work we put in a year ago or, you know, whatever. So if we are constantly reminding ourselves that all of it is a little bit delayed reaction, good or bad. So if I'm spending a whole day bitching about stuff, just know that that reaction might be a six month delay and it's going to suck when it hits you. So let's shut that off. What should people be? Same as a good. Yeah. What should people be doing in the process while they're waiting? Because we don't want them to just wait and do nothing. Right. It's hustle. So what are you like in that process of your waiting to like, you haven't been a speaker yet. You want to be a speaker. There's six months. You haven't spoken yet before you get asked, like what's, what's your mindset? What are you doing in that middle part? Oh my gosh. It's so comes down to a very simple statement. Some athlete, I think I feel like is the person who said this, but, um, you be ready so that you are ready. Mm. Right. So every day you get up to, to be ready, you know, and, uh, the same was, true has been true with the book journey it's you know I had to build the the platform for that for years and years and years I had to understand how this process works so that I could articulate it I had to coach people for free for years I had to do all of these things I had to show up at little community meetings where there was six people listening to me speak you know so many of those (laughs) and speak for free for years and all of that stuff so that when your moment comes you're ready if you're sitting around waiting for your moment, good freaking luck. Yep. When that moment comes, you're going to be mortified because you just bombed. And I'll actually give you an example. My first paid speech, a friend of mine took a big chance on me because I was not a speaker by then, did not have any s- stuff under my belt. I'd only done the Red Cross thing, but it put out that I wanted to be and yep. was doing the say it part and you know all of that. And she was like, okay, let's see, you know, I'll pay you, fly you down. We'll, you're the keynote. You're like carrying this conference for me. It was a big deal. And I bombed in the worst way possible. Mm. Like just one of those mortifying, you just want to get off the stage. Mm. It was that bad. Like people got up and left. People got up and left like slamming doors. It, they weren't even just yeah. like, you know, <laughs> and, and it was totally one of those things. Like, I don't think I can finish this. Yeah. Like I would just be better off to walk off stage. And I remember going home. And mostly mortified for her because I sure. knew I just made her look. And it was just devastating. Yeah. It was so crushed. I was like, I will never do that again. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, and I just went home. And I was like, maybe that isn't for me. Yeah. You know? And I think we have a lot of those thoughts whenever something doesn't go the way that we thought. And so for two years, I was like, well, maybe I just write. Maybe I don't speak. And she actually hired me this past April to come back and redeem myself oh, for the same concert. Amazing. And I love her so much. And it was by far the best three-hour talk I've ever given in my life. Yeah. It was the most on fire. The whole room was crying. I, it was just magic. And I was like, that is how this works, you know? I but it took it. me seven years in yeah. between yeah. to gain you know, it was all those yep. little tiny things that I was doing for free that got me to a place where I could actually command a room. I love that you shared that because we have a lot of people who are entrepreneurs or getting in the online space and they'll maybe post something that maybe they got some negative feedback and they're mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to post again. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you just have to keep, you have you to have keep to. doing it. You have to keep going. It's like, we all have had those moments where we're just like that didn't feel right. And I don't want to do it again, but there's still a drive. Like I wanted to do what I thought I did. And why did I suck so bad? And yeah. it, you came back. I, lo- I love that she had you come back. Oh my God. I love her so much. I was like, you don't even understand if nothing else, I would kill it just for you. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I love that. But I think, I think it is really, really true that you have to be willing to put yourself out there and put yourself out there all the time. Mm-hmm. And it has to come back to something you truly love. And, yeah. and for me, it just is like to this point now it's in my DNA. Yeah. I have a full clear vision of where I'm going to be 
you know, when I've reached some level of successes in my head, right? Yeah. Um, which is, by the way, not even, haven't even opened that door yet. But in the meantime, I'm going to do everything I can yeah. every single day to get better and better and better so that when those doors open, I don't fall on my face. Yeah. I am ready. I am prepared. I am, you know, and I think that's what all of us have to do. What have drives to you it out there? What drives you today? I, I hate to say it because people think it's cliche, but it's just couldn't be more true. A hundred percent my kids. Mm-hmm. I feel like I am their example. Um, every, they watch everything that I do. Every dream I have, I put out there as a family goal, as a family dream. Yeah. They're the ones that unpack the books when they come. They're the ones that have to sit through mommy not taking a shower for a week when I'm on deadline, yeah. you know. Um, and so every win is a is a collective win for us. Yeah. And, and it's also, now that they're older, um, watching them implement it into their own life and get their own wins is huge. And then, obviously, just the people whose lives have really changed. Yeah. Um, it's very humbling to even get my head around, but I know that it is changing lives and... I mean, that's the ultimate dream. Yeah, really is. Yeah. I love that. I'm always curious of what drives people. And like some people with kids, it's they're like, it's not that. And some yeah. people it is. And I think it's got to be so gratifying to have them look up to you and see the impact you're making just directly right in your own home. It gives you motivation to live your talk, right? Yeah. Oh, 100%. <laughs> no one's going to hold you accountable like your kids. <laughs> so I'm just curious on a personal level, are you dating? What's going on with that? Like since... Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> What's the romantic side? Do you have a man on your vision board uh, or a woman on your vision board or a partner situation? Like, is there anything that... That's so funny. Um, No, I... Uh, so for the first like five years out, out of the divorce... Mind you, I had never dated before uh-huh. my husband because we met yeah. so young. Um, so I'm just going to say I had a nice time uh, <laughs> for about five years. Yeah. Been there. Um, and, you know, it was it was great. I, I was just getting my confidence. I was getting a success. And, and I, I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. and met a lot of great people. But I think right almost immediately kind of after this happened, I, I became very protective of my time with my kids mm-hmm. um, because being a mom was something I wanted since I was a kid and it was just so important to me. And I was like, I'm not going to share it with people who might not be here from a year from now or I'm not going to let somebody who I might not even remember their name five years sure. from now make me be a bitch to my kids because I'm in a bad mood because they treated, you know. Yeah. And so I just got real protective of that and they've never met anybody. I've never brought anybody home in 11 years. Um, it, and it's been us and we've traveled the world together and we've done a lot of great things. But I will say that um, a couple years ago I started started allowing that to show up a little bit uh-huh. on my board yeah, yeah. <laughs> because here's my thing. I'm like, when they go off to college, that's then I'm open to whatever. But yeah. until then, like I'm so like, I just want to like eat them alive. Yeah. So I don't want anyone else in that space. Like, yeah. It's just ours. That's totally fair. <laughs> totally fair. Well, I'm just thinking of things that people put on their boards. I think people put, of course, the Lambos, the mm-hmm. houses, but I think also people want to manifest relationships, loving relationships. People want to manifest, um, I don't know. I had on mine like a puppies or yeah, <laughs> yeah, or or children or something like that. So I was just curious. Yeah, if that's... and the the book actually um, goes through five categories that in order for it to be a future board. Now I'm starting to see a lot of tags on social media as like, uh-huh. oh, I made a future board. I'm like, bitch, that's not a future board. That's you don't not. know what a future board is. <laughs> like, no. I love that you're trying, but that yeah. is definitely not one. Um, so it has to have five categories. The okay. five uh, main categories of our life, which is relationships, mm-hmm. and that means everybody yeah. so any type of human interaction that you want to have in your life yeah 
at its ideal state. So if your life is missing good mentors, it would be that or good girlfriends. Um, Definitely you want to put your ideal relationship. So I I have a Tuscan wedding on there. I have, you know, in in the future. And then career stuff, kind of anything related to your career, wealth and ambition, mind and body. So it's really a holistic look at how do I upgrade my entire life? I love that. I don't want to, I want, I don't want to just upgrade my career and wind up being one of those people who work 90 hours a week and hates their life. Sure. Um, I don't want to just make a ton of money and have no one in my life yep. and feel miserable and get sick because yep. of it, you know? So I think it's super important that as we do this, we are identifying what we want in its best state in every area of our life. So our whole life is moving up the ladder. I really like that. When you said that, I kind of realized back in my early twenties, I had like just obsess over bodies. And so I had like body goals and I hit that, but then the rest of my life wasn't so bad. Exactly. So because a lot of times what will happen is we'll get so focused on that, that we close off everything else Uh and we, our relationships suffer, you know, our finances suffer, all of this other stuff. So what I really teach is I want people to be focused on the whole picture. Um, because I want you to learn how to be happy now. And so when you're looking at the whole picture in your life right now, you're like, Oh, to be happy, to bring joy into my life, here's what I can do today. And it's training your brain to thrive off happiness and joy versus thriving off drama and all that other stuff. So if you can get that down now on square one, and then you custom create a life that you want, what's going to happen that whole journey, you're going to enjoy it. You're going to get better all the time. You're going to be happier all the time. You're going to be more grateful all the time. So it's like, yeah, that's the life I want. Uh, same. Well, speaking of that, so this is the Best Life Podcast, and we always ask our guests. Actually, I forgot to ask yesterday, but um, <laughs> like to ask our guests, what does living the best life look like to you, to Sarah, your best life? That's a great question. Um, I, f- I feel like my best life is a combination of doing what I love, which is sharing whether um, – probably with a live audience. I I just love that so much. So, um, and then traveling with my kids. So exploring a new country with them, a new place with them there. It really is like, and I know you love travel too. There's just some level of joy that it gives you that you just can't get anywhere else. And it's such a great way to just infuse your life with the feeling of being alive and grateful. And then if I can combo that with sharing and helping somebody and I mean, that's the best life. That's like a wake up and pinch me. I love it. I love it. So Sarah, thank you so much for your time and coming out here and sharing this. Where do people find you? Like where's the easiest place to find you and get all of your like goodies and how to like see you speak and all that stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, sarahcentrella.com has everything, even has uh, the social media stuff, which is all the same, Sarah Centrella. Um, And the books are there and the courses and all that kind of stuff, live events. Um, and Future Boards comes out July 9th. It'll be in Target stores nationwide, which Woo! we're super excited about. So exciting. Um, as well as Barnes & Noble and all that. And then the paperback version of Hustle Believe Receive just came out uh, this week. So it's in stores now. Um, and it has a forward in it by Ed Milet, which we're super excited about. So, That's really yeah. cool. Great guy. Double release in a week. I love it. <laughs> so thank you so much, you guys. If you have any questions for Sarah, find her. Uh, send her a DM. Tag her on Instagram. Like, Tell her thank you for sharing all this. We really appreciate you. And I'm going to be... Um, making my future board. I'm going to tag you and you will make sure it's right. We'll make sure it's correct. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Danny. And hi, Jill. Next time. Yeah, we missed you, Jill. (laughs) Bye guys.